It is time for us to begin our midday program here on a very hot and breezy Tuesday here across the Great Plains. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Appreciate you being here. We're going to be getting you ready for midday and all the things that we're going to talk about. Jason Jorgensen's in here along with Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield. We, let's uh, check in first with her and see what's going on in farm. Thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Alex will kick everything off at 1219 with Haley Andreessen, corn soy ambassador to this year. She shares about her experiences. Then at 1245, I'll speak with Randy Sainer, Randy, an extension educator based out of North Platte, as he talks about some goat education opportunities that will take place later this fall. And then Shabella Guzman steps in at 117 to talk about carbon capture. It's midday on a Tuesday from the farm team. It is midday, that's for sure. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. Let's uh, turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. And uh, the folks keep trying, but it's uh, not going anywhere. So. Yeah, it's shocking. Uh, the group of parents from Nebraska and their attorney, Mike Flood, did not hear back from the Big Ten uh, mm, yesterday in strange. terms of how they uh, came to their decision to uh, postpone the upcoming football season. Uh, uh, Flood and that group had said they'd have no choice to file a lawsuit in Nebraska District Court if they did not uh, hear from the Big Ten, give you an update on where that stands, if anything is breaking. Also, we'll talk some Gothenburg football. You know, the Swedes have made the playoffs uh, four years in a row. That's one of the more consistent programs, especially in C1 around here. But they will be reloading this year with just five seniors and a couple of uh, starters back. We'll hear from Coach Craig Hickey about that. Of course, they open up the year at home against Kozat. Yeah, nice to have that rivalry game up right away, kind of just in case things happen. But, uh, yeah, it'll be tough. But we'll see if, you know, we, we talk around here a lot about Hakey Ball, that he kind of does the same sort of stuff there year in and year out. We'll see if that uh, that system works. Also, I know uh, seating will be different at the game yeah, on right. Friday. Uh, not all the seats will be available. If you can't make it out to the game, We'll have it over on the river and at krvn.com. And we'll talk to Major League Baseball as Yankees ace Garrett Cole tries to set an AL record with his 21st straight win in the regular season as uh, he starts tonight at Atlanta. Hmm. Wow. His 20 game streak matches uh, Roger Clements for the longest in AL history. That's crazy. He has not tasted defeat. Wow. <laughs> Quite a while. Did you see where Albert Pujols uh, moved into second place all-time in RBIs, only behind Hank Aaron now? I didn't see that. I kind of forget he's still playing well, sometimes. <laughs> but kind of, you know, toiling away. He really is. He really is. And he plays on the West Coast, so we don't hear it a whole lot. So very good. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan right now. And uh, what's going on in stocks today? Stocks have been drifting, and uh, we don't know if it's a Tokyo drift or a Beijing drift. But anyway, uh, the S&P 500 is uh, virtually unchanged in trading right now. U.S. consumer confidence fell for the second straight month in August. But... Sales of new homes jumped in July, rising a little bit as the housing market is an attraction to some people. And something interesting that Americans are doing during the pandemic, they're saving a little bit. And what? so a new poll shows that uh, they've had some time on their hands, so they've 
doing a little they're doing a little saving all right well that's all coming up on midday let's turn it over to clay Patton. thanks scott as we talk with mike zuzlo global commodity analytics here for a midday check of the markets and mike nice to see this turnaround in the wheat market from yesterday's lower we've erased most of those losses now making slight gains already on the week is this coming from crop progress numbers we saw last night or those drying overall conditions yeah, I mean, I think they're coming together. They're converging, I think, Clay. We've got a situation where the crop conditions are playing catch-up with the drought monitor, and I so I think the trade needs to do that as well in terms of the price action and us getting up to that 340 level or close to it. In the September corn, we're on a daily continuation chart. We have a gap right there to be filled, and I think that's probably going to get filled at this point. I think one of the biggest question marks I have is the fact that what – kind of upside potential, further upside potential do we have here um, because of the fact that we have friendly trade rhetoric between the U.S. and China on a phone call uh, last night between the two parties uh, suggesting that the trade talks are still very strong, the trade representatives both in good agreement, and that comes on the heels of fresh purchases of U.S. corn and beans this morning by China and also corn from uh, purchases from Japan. So we're, I'm contrasting that against the farther westward movement of what is now Hurricane Laura and better chances for next week to present maybe some crop-saving rains for some soybean crops uh, in the central and eastern Corn Belt in particular. Now, Mike, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, but looking at these outside markets, we see the dollar index a little soft today. We see the equities. They're wanting to slide here a little bit. So is there any hint maybe that inflation is somewhat eyeing that money flow, somewhat eyeing commodities, is that undervalued product where they can shift some of that money movement towards them in the coming months or maybe even next year? Oh, I think so. I mean, if you put together the uh, issues with the U.S.-China trade being off the table as a possible negative price feature to the commodities, you look at the Netherlands coming out with a better-than-expected uh, trade monitor update as far as merchandise trade this past month, and then you throw on top of that uh, the fact that we do have a, uh, a market that is looking at maybe a potential uh, belief that there's going to be a COVID cure or at least a treatment in the not-too-distant future, and we talked about that yesterday. I think you have major things in the makings here that would believe the market to think that you have inflation, and that's why I think the gold is up. I think we keep our eye on the wheat like we always do, Clay. It's one of the percentage leaders now overtaking the soybeans, and now in the hard red wheat overtaking even the corn. Now hard red wheat up 3.3% on the day. In the livestock trade, cattle making a stark contrast from yesterday. Is this due to the fact that we're seeing packers get rather aggressive kicking the cash cattle trade off on a Monday? Well, I think that, uh, but you've got to wonder why are the Packers going after it so hard other than the just sheer profit level they're at. I think the cold storage numbers were kind of like the equivalent in the livestock to the crop conditions report yesterday afternoon. Those cold storage numbers showed the 25% below uh, pork storage versus last year. That's a seven-year low by some accounts. We also saw that the beef numbers were also down about 3% from last year. So we don't have a lot of excess like I think the market maybe thought we did, especially given the COVID. And I think that's a really nice thing to see. Maybe that supply chain did pick up a lot of extra meat out of the freezers to get into the grocery stores after all. 
Again, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Learn more at globalcomresearch.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. We know you have great products and services. With no farm shows, it's harder to show them off right now. Let us bring our Harvest Roadshow right to you and use the power of KRVN and the Rural Radio Network. The interactive videos with our farm broadcaster allow you to share your expertise, showcase your test plots, or demo your latest products. These audio and video interviews will air on KRVN, KRVN.com, and on social media. Make sure your business is a stop on our Harvest Roadshow by calling KRVN at 308-324-2371. Home. Attention irrigators on load management. We do have an update on code red. Uh, the following uh, place, the following districts are code green at this time: Custer, Loop Valleys, McCook, Norris, South Central, Southwest, and Twin Valleys. Going code red at twelve forty-five. Perennial and Southern going code red at one forty-five. Dawson and Howard Greeley's keep, Howard Greeley. Keep uh, contact with us. Keep listening to us. We'll give you the updates as we go. Time for us now to check in on weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And we're joined by Paul Perkins on a hot, clear, breezy day. Across. Yeah, it's breezy. or It's uh, clear out there. But as we were talking earlier, the sky is not blue and no. there aren't any clouds up there. It's not a thin veil of clouds. Of course, uh, that smoke from those wildfires in California and Colorado continuing to at the higher higher levels uh giving us a hazy look at the sunshine I, for today i noticed i think it was on monday night as i i looked up towards the towards the evening and gosh the moon was just as red as mars i mean it just that's very pink hue to everything right? yeah i've definitely noticed that too but yeah uh, but it's clear skies across the area just uh, maybe a few clouds yep. in the far western nebraska panhandle and to northeast colorado but once again that thin veil of uh, smokiness across our skies but luckily the conditions kind of letting up on the haze from the smoke as you head into like northeast colorado and points out towards the west right now our temperatures pretty much in the low and mid 80s and much of nebraska temperatures more so in the mid to upper 80s over northeast colorado into northern kansas we are as warm as 92 currently in the nebraska panhandle towards the kimball area alliance they are now up to 82 they had the state low this morning got down to 53 not huge too humid with these conditions most of us with dew points in the upper 50s to the low 60s but those dew points a little higher as you head into the, a little more vegetation into eastern areas of Nebraska, where temp, uh, dew points are right now in the mid to upper 60s, especially just to the east of the Tri-Cities. So luckily the humidity, not too much of a factor with the heat that we're going to have for today over the next several days. Today through Thursday, remaining sunny, hot, and mainly dry. Thanks to a ridge of high pressure extending from the desert southwest into the central plains. South winds today and tomorrow staying on the breezy side as we sit between high pressure over the southeast U.S. and a trough of low pressure in the western high plains. Afternoon heating today and tomorrow could lead to some isolated thunderstorms right near that low pressure trough. Currently extends from about the panhandle into eastern Colorado. Skies expected to do once again mainly be cloud free. But we will continue with that hazy look from the wildfires in both Colorado and in California. That high-pressure ridge finally losing its hold on our area to a cold front on Thursday night. Off and on thunderstorms will be possible with that front's passage. 
Thursday night and some disturbances diving southeast Friday into Monday. Now, the chances for widespread rain, though, not too high. Highs on Friday will cool back to the upper 80s to low 90s, which is slightly above normal for this time of year. A better push of cooler air on Saturday will cool those temperatures to more seasonal levels in the low to mid-80s. In advance of a cold front on Sunday, a warm-up before we see a slight cool-down to the upper 70s to low 80s on Monday. Cooler temperatures will continue in our long-term forecast with a deep trough of low pressure over the central and eastern U.S. Unfortunately, most of the storm energy going to be to our north. But low normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and the northern two-thirds of the central U.S. Sunday through Labor Day on September 7th. Rain chances now lower in the most recent long-term forecast. Slightly above normal rainfall is likely this weekend through the first few days of next week for Nebraska. In Kansas, the middle of next week through Labor Day indicated to have near normal to below normal rainfall. Key weather factors in the markets include additional crop stress from heat in the Midwest the next several days and the prospect of heavy rain from Hurricane Laura. In drier areas of the Midwest, filling crops would benefit from a soaking rain. Just over a fifth of Iowa's corn now rated very poor to poor. That is up from 8% very poor to poor just two weeks ago, the day before the Midwestern derecho struck. More stressful heat is forecast in the Midwest through the midweek. Hot and dry conditions are withering the crops, especially in the flash drought areas of the western Midwest. Temperatures will trend more seasonal later this week, but rainfall amounts will be light over the next seven days. Laura is forecast to strengthen to a major hurricane. Could reach the coast of Texas or Louisiana late tomorrow or early Thursday with sustained winds greater than 110 miles per hour. Torrential rains of 4 to 8 inches or more could result in extensive flooding. Heavy late-week rains could fall as far north as the Ohio and Tennessee valleys. The northern plains will see varying conditions the next couple of days. The northern half, seasonal temperatures and some scattered thunderstorms. The southern half of the northern plains, stressful heat and dryness. Crop conditions have declined notably in South Dakota due to the heat. All the northern plains will have more seasonal temperatures with some wonder coverage of rain about five days from now. Interesting, you know, and I noticed this, and I don't know that you have the answer to it, but I, I'm, they're talking about Laura, and they're saying a major hurricane. Oftentimes they'll say category four, uh-huh. five. It, it sort of feels like it's a different way of saying it, or maybe they just don't know yet. I, I think it's they had as a category two. Oh, is that what they're I'm, saying? I'm, okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, so it's just got into the categories a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. So. yeah, a lot of people getting ready for that, but I'm ready for cooler weather, Yeah. so I hope it, that comes soon. It's not too far off here. All right, we'll take it for sure. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTap, krvn.com. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined via Zoom by Haley Andreessen, who is serving as a 2020 Nebraska Corn and Soy Ambassador. Haley, thanks for joining us. First of all, tell us a little bit about uh, your background in agriculture. Um, I grew up on a farm five miles north of St. Edward. We grew corn, soybeans, and then we custom feed some cattle and have a small cow-calf operation as well. Um, And that's kind of where I got my start. I started showing bucket calves and then kind of continued through the showing industry um, through 4-H. And then later got involved in FFA and really kind of found a niche, kind of finding a way to take everything that I was learning on the farm and then share it with people that I was um, going to class with was really cool. And so that's how I found a love for ag that I could share that with people that were around me. And then that kind of sparked a passion for ag ed and that's led me to where i am right now 
Haley, this year you're serving as a corn and soy ambassador. Why was that something that you chose to pursue? Yeah, I think it's super, super important that people find ways to advocate. And I think you hear that a lot, but it is so, so important for people of our age to find their their pathway into the ag industry because it is such a changing industry and we need to find our way in and we need to stay in and continue to advocate for why we think it's so important. Haley, tell me a little bit about the Corn and Soy Ambassador Program and what you get to do throughout the year. Yeah, so so far it's been a little bit different, but really what we do is take opportunities to learn from other people in the industry um, who are in different sectors than the corn and soy, as well as people who are in the corn and soy area, um, and just learn. We learn a bunch about what people are doing, what avenues there are, and then we also take a turn at advocating for corn and soy by going to different events and promoting um, ethanol and et cetera. What are some things that you found useful as you're trying to advocate to a non-ag audience or a younger audience or whatever it might be? I think the biggest thing is just to not um, expect them to have all the information that we have. Like growing up on a farm, there's a lot of things that we just kind of were taught from the get-go and kind of assume that everyone knows. And that's not true. Like, for example, that, you know, dairy is safe. Like that's something that I've never even second-guessed, but it's a legitimate concern that people who are not connected to the dairy industry have, as well as corn and soy. And what would you say are some things that you'll be taking away from this opportunity? I think the biggest thing that I've learned so far is there are just so many facets to corn and soy. Like, it's not strictly just farmers. There are people who are advocating in many different areas, lobbying on our nation's capital and supporting um, the different avenues that there are within corn and soy and the different products that are being promoted, as well as, you know, like someone said earlier, being a school teacher, like there are ways to incorporate different pieces of ag information that need to be shared. And that's like the biggest thing that I've taken away. It's not just farmers ranchers, while they are super, super important and are one of the main you know aspects of, of what we're doing but there are many ways to get involved and to advocate as well. Haley as we round out this conversation tell me about your future career plans and what you hope to be doing. Yes so um, I like I said I'm studying agricultural education at UNL right now. Um, I'm not for sure if that's exactly where I'll end up but I know for a fact um, that I'll be educating whether that be in a classroom or elsewhere. All right. Thanks so much, Haley. Haley Andreessen joining us. She is from Boone County, and she is a 2020 Nebraska Corn and Soy Ambassador. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. That means Jason Jorgensen has now stepped in. and Well, Jason, the uh, football parent for college, a Big Ten in particular, uh, not letting up. No, they're not. Still waiting. Attorney Mike Flood put out a statement yesterday saying the terms of their demand letter that he wrote to the Big Ten last week, well, it was not answered by the Big Ten. No surprise there. Flood had threatened before that if the group didn't hear anything, they'd have no choice but to file a lawsuit in Nebraska's U.S. District Court. Of course, he is representing a group of 11 families of Nebraska football players. I know they were trying to get some of the other parents from some of the other schools on board on this and try to keep this you know, ball going uh, down the hill, but 
I don't think it'll do any good, but it makes them feel better. I just don't understand what obligation the Big Ten has to, first off, answer any of these letters, but then, two, to show, hey, this is how we voted. Legally, again, we don't know, but to me, if you're Kevin Warren, what good is it going to do for him to respond to this stuff anyway? Nope, and I think their strategy is to ride this out, take the artillery for a couple of weeks, and I know this will sound callous, but I think they're hoping that the other conferences aren't able to play. Of course they are. No, of course they are. And, you know, there probably is going to be a couple of weeks of football. There probably will, but I think that down the road, I don't know if we'll be able to see the end of the college football season. They're trying to play the long game. Right. Gothenburg looks to keep its winning ways going on the football field this fall. Head coach Craig Hakey says with everything that's gone on this year, they're just glad to have a season to play at this point. Kids are excited to be here. I think uh, this year, maybe more than ever, they're just excited to have something that, that feels kind of normal to them. You know, they're, they're getting yelled at a little bit, and they still seem to be smiling. Joy, I guess, throughout coaching staff and kids, just something that feels normal. You talk about one of the more successful, underrated, under-the-radar coaches in our region. That would be Craig Hakey. The Swedes returned just two starters and all-district performers Owen Geiken and Riley Baker. Last year they went 8-2 and two and qualified for the state playoffs for the fourth year in a row. They open up the season at home on Friday against Cozad. We'll have that game on 93.1 The River. You're right. They're the steady Eddie out <laughs> here. Are. And uh, every year in the playoffs, every year you might lose a couple of games, but always competing, making a little run here and there. But... Uh, this year should be no different. Uh, they have a little more to rebuild than they have in the past, but uh, Gothenburg will still be a formidable. And UNK Athletics is releasing its own app today. And Athletic Director Mark Bauer feels this was a good move for the department. You know, I think we've been searching for a way to connect with our with everybody in a, a little differently. And obviously, I think uh, in, the, in an age where people want to find out what's going on immediately. I think this is a great way for us to do that. You know, a lot of the applications are in real time. The app is free and can be downloaded in the Play Store on your phone. All you need to do is type in UNK Athletics. I already have it loaded up on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid. It is. And when you first download it, it asks what you want alerts for, if you want any from what sports or if you're a fan, whatever. So I'm, I'm interested to see what that uh, will look like when we have sports. Now they just need a schedule. I was going to say, when we actually have something to uh, to have alerts for, I'm sure it'll be nice. Yep, they'll, so. they'll be prepared. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Thank you very much. Nebraska Secretary of State Bob Evnen announced today that he is determined that each of the three initiative petitions relating to games of chance fail to comply with the single subject rule in the Nebraska Constitution and are confusing and therefore will not be placing the measures on the November 2020 general election ballot. The initiative petitions include a proposed state constitutional amendment to legalize casino gambling at racetracks along with two proposed laws that would regulate and tax casino gaming. Three Nebraska citizens wrote to the Secretary of State objecting to the gambling initiatives after receiving letters from attorneys for the three citizens and from attorneys for the sponsors of the petitions. Evnen issued his decision today in a letter sent to the lawyers for the parties. Evnen concluded that the three initiatives all had the same primary purpose, which is to permit currently prohibited games of chance to be conducted in Nebraska. 
The required number of signatures have been verified in support of all three initiatives, but based on his determination that the gambling initiatives are legally insufficient, however, he announced that he will withhold all three of the initiatives from the ballot unless the courts order otherwise. The jury is still out on whether Nebraska will seek the enhanced federal unemployment insurance benefit authorized by a memorandum by President Trump on August 8th. Governor Pete Ricketts responded to a question from a reporter about whether the state will seek the assistance. And what's the status here in Nebraska? We're still analyzing that right now with regard to our own unemployment insurance fund because we have to pay for part of that, so we have to be able to manage that as well. And so we're still uh, doing the research on just, uh, where we are with regard to whether or not we will be implementing that or not. The president's memorandum calls for the distribution of an additional 300 the president's memorandum calls for the distribution of an additional $300 weekly federal unemployment benefit on top of the state's benefits that unemployed people typically receive. The deal asks states to kick in another $100. The states have until September 10th to decide whether to participate. 26 states have been approved to use FEMA funds to make additional $300 weekly unemployment benefit payments. Only two states, Arizona and Texas, have distributed those funds as of Monday. Kansas hunters will be allowed to use artificial light and thermal imaging equipment to hunt coyotes uh, during night beginning next year. The Kansas Wildlife Parks and Tourism Commission voted last week to make changes for night hunting of coyotes in response to requests from hunters. Artificial lights and thermal imaging will be allowed between January 1st and March 31st, and hunters will be required to buy a permit to use the equipment. Matt Peake, a fur bear biologist with the Wildlife Department, says states surrounding Kansas will allow the use of equipment at night, and Kansas hunters have been asking for the change for several years. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Borgo producers are going to have the opportunity to further their education coming up in October. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up earlier today with Randy Sainer. Randy is an extension educator in Lincoln, Logan, and McPherson counties. He talked a little bit about the upcoming 4S Goat Expo, October 3rd and 4th in North Platte. Yeah, we have we have a, our seminar, of course, is on that uh, on the Saturday, the 3rd. And uh, we have a show and sell on the 4th of October, that is. That's always the first weekend in October. And um, we're, we've got Randy Dusick from San Angelo, Texas, coming up to talk about uh, marketing your goat herd, a little bit about managing of your goat herd. Um, Jack Arterburn, our extension educator out of the Panhandle, is going to talk a little bit about pasture management for goats. Um, and then... Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about managing parasites. Um, we also have a producer panel again. That seems to be the most popular thing we do, talking about just just management techniques that they use. And then we have a youth goat judging contest during part of the program where the youth will go out and uh, we'll actually judge and we'll give awards for that. And then we have talk a little bit about budgets. We're working on budgets for sheep and goat producers right now. And I'm trying to get Elliot Dennis may talk a little bit about what we have for budgets so far and see if producers think we're close to being right on it. And, of course, you know, that, that second day, that Sunday, is our show and sell. And so 
and so far I've, I've uh, had it taken to the university to make sure that it's okay we have it. We've had over, in the past, over 125 people there, so it's a large meeting. We have to get approval for that, and then also um, I have a COVID plan, too, for it. So we've planned pretty well for this. Hopefully it'll all work out and we'll have uh, we'll have everything works well but you've got such a nice variety and it really hits all different aspects of the goat industry and i want to talk a little bit about this whole budget thing that you guys are working on as well because it does affect um and maybe gets producers thinking a little bit versus just having the livestock and not thinking about what they're spending and what they're bringing in right so so we want nebraska producers to be sustainable (laughs) and to be sustainable you, you have to make a profit from your operation so we're looking at at um Having having actually a budget you can look at and see how you compare. The nice thing is it gives you a starting point of where you're at, and if you see an area where you're really high, and maybe there's some things we can do to change that. And uh, we'd be glad to work with with them. And also, this comes with a grant. There's a grant that um, Dennis uh, or Doctor Elliot's doing. Uh, Elliot Dennis is doing um, on parasite management and how it affects um, your bottom line. And so with this grant, it really helps us kind of bear down on this and look at those issues that, that maybe cause producers problems with profitability. As a producer myself who's gone through your parasite management class, um, folks are going to walk away with a wealth of information that's going to help them better manage their goat herds. Yeah, yeah. We'll do a little bit on Famancha for those that want to do Famancha. Every year I have new producers that kind of want to get trained in that. And then, uh, um, so we always do that at the end and kind of give them a little update on, on, on where we're at with parasite control. And uh, there's a lot of new ideas out there that are changing the way we manage parasites. So how is the the boar goat industry in Nebraska as you work with folks across the state? Yeah, this is probably our, our biggest statewide program that we have. Um, and uh, we also have, there's a shepherds conference coming up in the eastern part of the state um, that that will be for both sheep and goat producers too. So, um, but this is our big our big goat yearly program that we do, and we, we get a large number here. And um, but if producers have questions, they're welcome to call me. I get calls from all over the state of Nebraska, as well. Sometimes I get some out of state questions. So um, it's uh, it's been a, a nice. It's a, it's a little different than what I normally do. I normally do beef education, so um, I get get to broaden my horizon a little bit on some of these and I've attended several programs to help me become more um, knowledgeable on goat production in the United States. So. And speaking of uh, boar goats, this weekend a great opportunity for our 4-H'ers to be in the show ring showing off those goats. Yeah, I, I worked with the 4-H program through, through goat production too and it yeah, it's a great program for them both 4-H this weekend and FFA next weekend is a, is a chance for those kids to show their goats up. And I well, it definitely shows the diversity when it comes to livestock production in Nebraska. Yeah, we, we continue. We have some fairly large numbers of, of sheep and goats in the state, and we're close to a packing plant for sheep production, so it makes it nice for our sheep producers, too. If they want to find out more information about your event that's coming up October 3rd and 4th in North Platte, where do they need to go? They can go to um, our Facebook page, which is S4 Goat Expo, um, and, or you can go to the website, which is 4sgoatexpo.com, 
Or you can contact me at randy.fainer at unl.edu or call our office at 308-532-2683. And Randy wanted to remind folks, if you're interested in the sale, you have to have everything in by September 6th. Conversation with Randy Sainer. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Bob Brogan with the Business Report. U.S. stocks are drifting close to their record highs as momentum slows on Wall Street. The S&P 500 was down one-tenth of a percent in afternoon trading after flipping between small gains and losses through the morning. The market lost a bit of momentum after a report showed that consumer confidence unexpectedly dropped this month. It added to what's become a mixed picture of the economy which has shown signs of slowing after its initial burst off the bottom in the spring. Speaking of consumer confidence, it fell for the second straight month in August as a resurgence of virus cases in many parts of the country heightened pessimism about the economy. The Conference Board, a New York-based research organization, reports that its consumer confidence index declined to a reading of 84.8 in August, down from 91.7 in July. Sales of new homes jumped again in July, rising 13.9% as the housing market continues to gain traction following a spring downturn caused by pandemic-related lockdowns. The Commerce Department says July's gains propelled sales of new homes to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 901,000. That's a far bigger number than analysts had expected and follows big increases in May and June. Also, U.S. home prices rose at a slightly slower pace in June, but the U.S. housing market continues to show resilience in the face of the pandemic. A new poll from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research finds 45% of Americans say they are setting aside more money than usual during the coronavirus pandemic. 26% are paying down debt faster than before the virus struck, The findings shed light on a persistent riddle of a global pandemic in which a weakened economy has somehow spared most U.S. families from the worst of the financial toll. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. On the last Rural Radio Forum. We always look to the health officials. You know, we like people to look to us when we're experts on education. We like to look to the experts on health and wellness. Let's all work together. Let's not judge each other on what we believe in our policies, our practices. Let's just do what we're being asked of by our health professionals, by our state organizations, by our school districts, by our cities. Uh, let's do what's being asked of us. And, and if we do that, we feel like we have a really good shot of continuing to do activities and having in-person school. And that's, that's what our goal is. So hopefully through this process that people have learned and been able to, uh, to grow and, and to put better things in place. I think it's also really um, emphasized the need for the parent and teacher um, collaboration and partnership. Uh, We can't expect teachers uh, to be the only ones educating our kids. Listen to the podcast at krvn.com. Climate change and the passage of a tax credit have people looking at carbon capture with new interest. Nebraska is one of the largest ethanol-producing states in the nation and holds immense potential for implementing carbon capture technology. Although the state has not yet established a comprehensive carbon capture legislation, electric utilities are taking an active role in the advancement of carbon capture in storage technology. 
Brandon Jordan, Great Plains Institute Vice President of Transportation and Fuels, says carbon capture is not new to the U.S. Carbon capture ha- has been around for a while. Uh, in, the, in the United States, we have over 40 years of experience with uh, capturing carbon from various industrial sources, primarily using it for enhanced oil recovery, which means uh, in a sort of late stage oil operation, you can inject CO2 into the ground and extract more oil. And primarily the CO2 stays down there. So this was primarily, you know, initially developed in order to extract more oil, but it attracted more interest later on as a strategy for putting CO2 in the ground and keeping it there. Jordan says passage of 45Q tax credit reform and expansion has also put interest in carbon capture. So now there there is a, a tax credit, you know, similar to tax credits that might be in place for other clean energy technologies like the, you know, tax credit for for wind or solar power, there's now a, a, a tax credit for carbon capture. And so there's a lot of interest in figuring out how to get projects moving, uh, capturing carbon, for example, from ethanol plants, uh, which is a, a low-cost source of CO2. Ethanol is a critical market for agriculture, supplying a market for corn growers and providing drinks. Jordan says ethanol also has an attractive carbon footprint in other markets. And so there's there's more and more markets like the California Low Carbon Fuel Standard Market, Oregon, uh, states like Colorado are are looking at these policies as well. And you know, if an ethanol plant can offer a, a lower carbon intensity, it can receive um, more value, more more revenue. And capturing carbon is a key way that that ethanol plants can lower their their carbon intensity. And it's also just a revenue stream. It's Carbon is captured and sent by pipelines underground to geological formations. Jordan says there are some challenges for making carbon capture work in ethanol plants or other agricultural industries such as feedlots, and that's infrastructure. There are some ethanol plants, for example, that already sit fairly close to um, an appropriate geological reservoir where you know just one project could act alone, build a short pipeline, put CO2 in the ground, they could capture that um, federal 45Q tax credit and they could make the economics work. For the majority of ethanol plants, however, they're not close enough to the right geology. So they'll have to be connected to a pipeline. And, you know, you're going to have to build a pipeline that's, that's pretty large. And pipelines are not popular. Jordan says right now they have a bad reputation to overcome. And I, I think it's really important to emphasize that CO2 is not a toxic material you know, if there were a pipeline leak, it would just off-gas. Uh, uh, there really aren't any of the kind of issues that come up with other pipeline projects. But that is something you hear, and I think something we need to need to address and make sure people understand what, what this is and what it's not. Jordan says building a network of pipelines can be done with facilities working together and the government to build multi-state pipelines to benefit everyone. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. 
KRVN, 93.1 The River, and Cami have always blazed new trails. This year is no different. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new Chevrolet Blazer. And not just any Blazer. A 2020 Blazer loaded with extra details like tinted windows and a custom paint job. For your first look, go to krvn.com and check it out. Be listening because we'll be giving more details on how you can get registered to win the Blazer this fall. We are blazing new trails. Thanks to these partners. Eustace Body Shop, Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. Nutrien Ag Solutions. Suretop Angus and Charlet, Farnham. Cornerstone Bank. Member FDIC. With 43 locations serving Nebraska. Central Valley Irrigation. Holdridge, Lexington, Kearney. Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, Colorado Land Tire Group. And Lexington Regional Health Center. Patent on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on these grain settlements with John Payton, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Market in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, I've been watching your Daily Newsletter This Week in Grain, and one thing you keep talking about is the Arbob Unleaded Gasoline Futures. They peaked almost $1.45 today, up nearly two cents right now to $1.38 a gallon. We're supporting crude oil as well. That's as these hurricanes rolling off the coast. But if these type of energy commodities, some that have been the hardest hit in 2020, if these guys can get some traction under them. Does it spell good news for the grains and oil seeds? Very good. You know, I hate to make it this simple because there's a lot more to corn, but if you're growing corn, you're an energy producer more than anything. So um, you're seeing moves in the front of the curve. We're now 17 cents higher right now than we were, we're going to be in December delivery. So that's, that's where, you know, I mean, you mentioned I do a daily newsletter. I mean, my comments don't change that much. I'm still bearish compared to where I was when we trading 3.30. The story really, outside of this weather move uh, in, in Iowa, um, doesn't scream bullish to me. I think you've got to find the end-user products to jump with it, and you're seeing that in the case of gasoline. So um, while corn is now breaking out, made a new high, it did leave a gap under that, that open this morning. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note on that. But... Um, that's why beans in reality aren't, aren't following to the degree. Beans are trading at last week's high while we see a breakout in the corn just because beans don't have that component. I think weather is a factor, but I think to a certain degree, you know, we're still looking at a trend crop. Um, maybe we're not looking at 184 anymore, like the, the, you know, the folks we were talking about a month ago, but in the near term here, you're still looking at, at, a, at a 176, maybe even if it's sub-trend 175, but you can make the case that as we rally here, you're, you're going to slowly give away some feed demand as, as wheat prices really aren't that much more expensive now, about a dollar, you know, 75 cents over. And then in the case of exports um, and ethanol, the, the demand really isn't there on rallies either. So I think you've got to look out into that carry. Uh, as, as the advice I've given to folks here, if you're short the board and you want to lift, make a cash sale or move that sale into next year. I think uh, at this point, 385-ish is where we closed on December today. C four bucks, but I think it's uh, you know given the ethanol story we have right now, that's uh, that could be a good price when you put it into the ground next year. Obviously, it'll bring its own weather problems, but between now and March, you know once once we get through this couple of week period, it won't matter about dryness anymore, and, and you know it'll be about getting out of the field and um, you know what are we going to plant next year and in South America. So that's where you got to be a little bit careful here to get bullish on these rallies. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. If you want to check out that newsletter this week in grain, visit danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Again, still seeing some of the strongest third and fifth best corn and soybean crop the U.S. has seen.
Thank you very much, Clay. We're going to wrap up the Tuesday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. That's available on iTunes or krvn.com.